It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Moving on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the Vivid Seats Studios, use the promo code OVERTIME to get up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. This is... The Jets Patriots post game report. So, of course, I am joined by the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Matt Stiplikoski. Matt, I am so proud of the Jets right now because they were going into Gillette Stadium where nobody thought they had a chance. Zero chance. They were outgunned. They were outmanned. They were missing their starting quarterback. No CJ Mosley, no Quinton Williams. Quincy Noon was out for the year. Jordan Jenkins, their best edge rusher, wasn't playing. On and on down the line. People were laughing at them. They were a joke nationwide. They were ridiculed. But when push came to shove, Matt, they rallied late. They dug deep. And they were able to get one of the biggest wins in franchise history. Matt, today, the Jets beat the spread. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you got you to take the silver linings where you can get them, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I guess, the Jets' first victory of the year. So there's there's something to be said for that. I was tweeting a whole bunch of silver linings throughout the game, Matt. I tweet a bunch of these. Here's one of them. Jets have scored their first touchdown at Gillette Stadium since 2015, and they have scored the first touchdown allowed by the Patriots in 2019. Mission accomplished. I think that sums it up pretty well. Yeah, that's about right. I mean, and what a weird way for the Patriots' touchdown streak to end, huh? On the the muff bump like that. (laughs) Really not exactly how uh, I think Patriots fans expected that to end, but... uh, yeah, uh, weird moment there for sure. And, uh, you know, now the uh, special teams unit has just as many touchdowns as the offense. Matt, I have to hand it to at Cheswell. I think that's how you pronounce it on Twitter. Because he said that the Jets found their most effective strategy of the day, putting the pressure on the punt returner. And Lachlan Edwards held up his end of the bargain. Did you see the spiral on that punt? That was all technique, Matt. No, just beautiful and a you know a pretty good snap by Thomas Hennessy. I know he's a fan favorite as well. So, you know he started things off, I suppose, on that play. Um, but yeah, you know, good execution all around from Brent Boyer's crew. All joking aside, we're going to get to what actually went down in this game as the Jets lose it thirty to fourteen, and as we said, covered the spread. I know that a lot of people are going to say there's no such thing as moral victories, and. As a general sense, that's true. And in a technical sense, it is also true. However, deep down, these guys had to know, especially with a third-string quarterback going on the road against arguably the best team in the league, that this was at best a huge uphill battle. 
And for them to actually cover the spread when the Patriots cover the spread with ease most weeks for the last bunch of years, I know that that doesn't mean anything in the record books. The Jets are still 0-3. But I think from a mental standpoint, especially the fact that they were able to force those two big plays and get those touchdowns late in the game, this at least gives them something to hang their hat on going into the bye week. I know it seems weird that you're going to hang your hat on something like that when you lose, but legitimately, I thought that it was a way to wash out some of the bad taste from the rest of the game. At least they, as George Costanza would say, went out on a high note. True, true, and I suppose there's a little bit of that, but um, you know, it was also one of those where you looked up at the scoreboard at the end of the day, and it felt like it was a way, way more lopsided game than the scoreboard really reflect. You know, the 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 game on the field looks a lot worse than the game on the scoreboard. And I think the fact that the offense did absolutely nothing all day long, uh, you know, kind of takes away from some of that, you know, uh, positive vibe. It, you know, had the, had the offense put together one of those touchdown drives, maybe, you know, even a couple field goals, something like that, and had gotten something going, I think the moral victory would have, uh, you know, held up a little bit better. Um, and, you know, if, if ever in the NFL there was a time for a moral victory, it was this week for the Jets. So, um, you know, I'm not anti-moral victory here. I just think the way that the, the offense, uh, you know, really did nothing all day long and the fact that the uh, pick six from Jamal Adams came once Tom Brady was out of the game kind of um, softens the blow a little bit, uh, you know, takes some of the, the shine off the moral victory. So, you know, not to further rain on, Jets fans parade, but even the moral victory, I think, comes with some caveats here. Oh, no question about it. I'm just having a little fun with this. I also tweeted out, by the way, points scored versus the Patriots so far this season. Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger, three. Dolphins at home, zero. Jets on the road at Gillette Stadium, 14. Therefore, by using transitive logic properties, Jets are better than both the Steelers and the Dolphins. So again, having a little bit of fun in this mess that occurred at Gillette Stadium today. Let's talk a little bit about the offense. Now, obviously, Adam Gase's game plan wasn't exactly spectacular. The offense did nothing. They had 105 yards, which I think is the third lowest total in franchise history. That according to Brian Costello of the New York Post. However... Let's keep in perspective here that the Jets were on the road against the Patriots defense that might be the best defense in the league. By the way, Jamie Collins looked like Superman all day today. That was just an incredible performance by him. And they were down to their third-string quarterback, Demarius Thomas, who was brought in to replace the injured Quincy Inunua. He couldn't play. The offensive line was absolutely awful, and we'll get back to that in a bit. So while I had some issues with Gase, especially plays like on a third and nine when you're already down 20 to nothing, throwing a pass behind the line of scrimmage to Robbie Anderson. I'm not sure what the purpose of doing plays like that is. How mad am I really supposed to get about this? We knew that the Patriots were going to crush the Jets. We knew that the offense wasn't exactly going to look good. They looked worse than we thought. But ultimately, Matt, and I think you could probably understand this, I just don't have it in me to get this mad about the performance of the team overall in a game that I knew they were going to get smashed in with a third-string quarterback and all these injuries doesn't absolve Gase or the coaching staff. Don't get me wrong. They certainly deserve their share of criticism, but I can't pound them too hard given the circumstances and the fact that they were playing the best team on their turf 
with all these injuries, a terrible offensive line, so on and so forth. Doesn't make it a built-in excuse. They should have done better than they did. 105 yards is never acceptable. But again, how mad am I supposed to get? Yeah, for sure. I think there's a lot of that. Just, you know, what else would you have expected to happen kind of thing? Um, You know, we all knew the Jets were going to struggle in this game, and then they did struggle. So um, tough to, to get too worked up about it though you know like you mentioned there were certainly some things that uh i think some jets fans and you know some of us as reporters kind of uh did a double take at uh you know the game plan in my book just you know if ever there was a time to just throw caution to the wind and you know you you're decimated by injuries you're not going to get it done if you're just playing conventional because you know, if you're trying to play a conventional football game against the Patriots who are playing a conventional football game with a way, way better roster, you know, the, the odds are not in your favor there. So if ever there was a time to just take some shots, do some weird stuff, mix it up, you would think Sunday would have been the time. And, you know, instead, that never happened unless you want to count two of the blandest Wildcat plays of all time from Le'Veon Bell. Um, so, you know, it is bizarre. I mean, you don't the the score and what the game became is exactly what you would expect considering you know with the Jets roster and injury situation but um it does seem a little strange that they didn't kind of do a little bit more to try to press the issue and see if they could you know get lucky a little bit certainly the case and I am 100% disappointed with what Adam Gase has done the first three weeks but I'm going to cut him some slack and say Let's see what he can do the rest of the season when he has a healthier roster. That's when we'll really get a better idea of what he can do. Again, there's no defense for some of the calls that he's made, but he was limited based on who he had. And the offensive line not being able to block. Le'Veon Bell, again, being forced to essentially run into brick walls all day. He had bad numbers, but it's amazing he was able to even get what he got. Certainly a disappointment if you had him in your FanDuel Fantasy League. Obviously not Le'Veon Bell's fault, but still, he didn't put up the type of yardage numbers that you would have liked, didn't get any touchdowns, so if you had drafted him with a high pick, you did not have a lucky week. But that's the beauty of FanDuel, because it changes from week to week, all kinds of roster flexibility, so you don't get stuck with the same players. Last week's disappointment isn't on your team. You start fresh each week, so no one player's injury or disappointing performance can ruin your season. You have chances to win millions of dollars worth of prizes, so it's a great time to get in on the action. And if you never played FanDuel Fantasy Football before, that's even better, because new users get 20 bucks in site credit if they deposit 20 bucks or more. Sign up for FanDuel now and get 20 bucks in total bonus. Just make your first deposit of 20 bucks or more to get started, and you'll get an extra 5 bucks in site credit every week for four weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy or download the FanDuel Fantasy app today. And when you draft in two weeks when the Jets play the Eagles, hopefully you'll get a better performance out of Le'Veon Bell because, like I said, he had nowhere to run all day. And Luke Falk was under duress all day, which is what we were all afraid of. As I said, Jamie Collins was just all over the place. They couldn't block the guy. The Patriots' defense was absolutely dominant. But that offensive line was terrible. Let's start with Ryan Khalil. I made a joke during the game that it's time for Ryan Khalil to go back to the couch. I hate that I have to say that, and I understand why they signed him. It was worth a shot because it's a one-year deal, and he was still a guy that they thought could be an upgraded position, at least as a stopgap. But he has looked absolutely horrific out there. I don't know how much longer the Jets can even allow this to go on. He's been so bad. 
I would come out of the bye with Jonathan Harrison if for no other reason than to send a message to Khalil and say, look, if you want to earn your spot back, you're going to have to show us something and earn it back in practice or whatever. But this can't go on anymore. He was just absolutely awful today. Yeah, uh, brutal. And like you said, the whole line was bad, but Khalil for three straight weeks now has just I mean, he does not look like a guy that's ready to play NFL football. It's been brutal to watch. Um, so, yeah, you know, and Gase was asked after the game, uh, post-game press conference, you know, if he would consider making some lineup changes on the offensive line, and he didn't rule it out. So, uh, you know, I suppose there is certainly a chance that they, you know, pull the, the change up there and they put Jonathan Harrison in for week five. Um, you know, it it probably can't go any worse, right? So you might as well at least change things. Um, but yeah, his, you know, that, that acquisition has not gone as planned by any stretch. And, uh, that's becoming a huge problem because it's rippling out across the rest of the offensive line. And the rest of that offensive line is, let's be honest, absolutely terrible as well. Brian Winters has played awful. Kelvin Beecham got absolutely dominated last week and i understand it was miles garrett for much of the way but even olivier vernon was killing him brandon shell is terrible his technique is just atrocious colleccio semele looks completely broken down that entire offensive line needs to be replaced at the end of the year if we're being honest about it i don't know if that's realistic just because it's very difficult to get five new starters maybe chuma adoga could be one of them but as this season progresses not that they necessarily have better players behind them, but they at least have different players behind those starters, guys that maybe are capable of stepping in for a little bit. And you may want to start thinking about giving Alex Lewis a shot, about giving Chuma Adoga a shot, even Compton in addition to Jonathan Harrison, because this offensive line cannot keep doing this, or it's going to get Darnold killed the way that it got Trevor Simeon killed, and the way that it almost got Luke Falk killed today. Yeah, it was worrisome. And the, the biggest issue, too, was how much pressure the Pats were able to put on Falk when they would only rush four guys, five guys. You know, So you got six or seven guys dropping into coverage, so no one's open. And that, you know, the offensive line had absolutely no resistance against four rushers. So um it was a really bad combination for luke falk you're trying to look downfield there's no open receivers but then you know the fact that the offensive line's only blocking four guys isn't even allowing them to give you more time it just a really really bad combination of events and um yeah i mean depending on how the season goes if things really start to get away from the jets here maybe sometime down the stretch you wind up uh switching in some of those backups just to see what you got like you said um you know, we're a ways away from that. So, uh, you know, probably don't have to worry about that for another few months here. But uh, if you're looking down the pike, it certainly is something that you can't rule out. Let's talk defense now, Matt. I thought that there were a lot of mistakes and miscues there. But overall, they played bend, don't break for a lot of this game and kept it a lot closer than they probably should have. The Patriots probably could have been winning 35 nothing at halftime, if we're being honest about it. One guy that I said was going to be one of the keys to the game going in was Leonard Williams because the Patriot offensive line was banged up. The Jet defensive line was going to need to get heat on Tom Brady. They didn't. Leonard Williams did nothing. In fact, the biggest play of the game that he made was getting a penalty and getting the Patriots an automatic first down. 
I've been defending Leonard Williams all through the offseason, and I still don't think he's anywhere near as bad as some people believe he is. There are people that will say he's a scrub. I don't think he's a scrub by any stretch, but he has been incredibly disappointing to start this season. There's just no way around it, and I don't care how many times he gets double teamed. There's just not an excuse for a performance this poor. Yeah, I think the biggest indictment of a lot of Leonard's games, and certainly this game on Sunday, is you just kind of forget he's out there. He's invisible. Uh, You know, he makes no impact really one way or the other, and so... Uh, all of a sudden you look up, he takes that penalty and you're like, oh, that's right, Leonard's out there. So, uh, yeah, he has completely failed to, to make any sort of dent, make any mark this season. And, um, you know, that follows up on a troublesome trend from the last year, maybe, two, you know, a couple of years here. So, um, not a good Sunday for Leonard Williams. Uh, you know, not that it was good for anyone really on the Jets defensive line, the front seven there, the, the pass rush was pretty poor all the way around um, but yeah particularly for Leonard a guy that you uh, would expect a good deal from as you know a, a top pick there a guy that's making a bunch of money you know it it just is not working for him right now the Jets cornerbacks are not very good but as Rich Gannon noted during the broadcast there's only so much you can ask of even the best cornerbacks in terms of covering players they can't cover forever Tom Brady was sitting back there he could have read a book most place with the amount of time that he had you give any NFL quarterback that kind of time they'll burn you you give that kind of time to Tom Brady not only will he burn you but he'll light your entire village on fire yeah it was pretty rough and like you said I mean even best corners cover only cover so long but the Jets have subpar to say the least corners and uh the pass rush hasn't been particularly exciting it was not good on Sunday at all so um, that's about the worst combination I think you could have as defense is an ineffective pass rush, but also poor corners because you're just going to get picked apart all day long. And that's exactly what happened. And, uh, you know, Greg Williams is supposed to be the guy that's able to gin up pressure and use some of his creative looks and everything to, to get the pass rush going. And it just didn't happen at all, uh, this week. So, uh, kind of a, a failure on all fronts for the Jets there. Just, uh, you know, the, the defense did kind of buckle down, especially in the second half, and, you know, made this game look a little better than it probably should have. But, uh, yeah, there were some pretty fundamental issues on the defense throughout the game. And I, I know Brady was getting the ball out pretty quick, which helps neutralize some of the pass rush as well, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just not a good combination when you can't cover guys, but you also can't pressure the quarterback. The two big plays for the Jets, the ones that kept them from getting embarrassed completely and shut out, were the punt muff that Arthur Millette picked up for a touchdown. That's what put the Jets on the board. And then it was the Jamal Adams pick six, which I'm sure a ton of gamblers in Vegas were really upset about because that is what led the Jets to beat the spread. Let's talk about the fact that there were very few impact plays in general from the defense. Again, playing Ben but don't break. Brady had all day to throw. Josh Gordon was all over the place. This was not a great performance by the Jets' defense, even though they were outmanned and outgunned, and they were able to keep the score closer than we expected. There was a lot that went wrong for this defense, and I know that the Patriots are arguably the best team in the league, but Greg Williams has some things to clean up over the bye week. Yeah, and I think the most troublesome part of the defense getting torched, especially early on, was, um, you know, it'd be one thing if, you know, players were losing 
kind of individual battles and you're they're just losing to better players better talent on the Patriots you could it wouldn't be fun to watch but you would understand that from the Jets perspective where you got a banged up defense that's pretty thin to begin with and you know the a great Patriots offense and they're they're picking them apart but instead there were just so many miscues and mental errors and miscommunications and you know so that's how Ryan Izzo gets open for a 40 some odd yard completion and uh you know the Patriots uh, Philip Dorsett, his touchdown, 25 yards. I mean, they completely sold out on a play fake. There was just uh, a bunch of those big plays early on where guys were wide open, just could not have made it any easier on the Patriots because, you know, the, the Pats didn't have to go out there and fight for it and, you know, win a, a battle. It was just the, the, the Jets shooting themselves in the foot. So uh, that is probably the most frustrating thing because it's, so much more controllable for the Jets than just the talent front. And, uh, you know, they weren't able to take care of some of those easy things early on that would have at least helped them stay a little bit more competitive. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Matt, in the wake of this game, I now have an updated list of greatest victories in Jets franchise history. As you know, I'm a Jets historian. This program started exclusively as a Jets history show where we would go back in time and look at specific seasons, look at specific careers, games, and go through them bit by bit. And so I compiled this list. I wanted to see what you think of it. Number one on my list is the Jets beating the Colts January 1969, of course, to win their one and only Super Bowl, Super Bowl three. Number two on this list, Jets beating the Patriots in January 2011. That was the famous can't wait game where the Jets went on to the AFC Championship where they would lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number three, I have the Jets upsetting the Chargers in San Diego January 2010. That was when Darrell Revis had that awesome interception against a much taller Vincent Jackson. 
Number four, I've got the Jets defeating the Jacksonville Jaguars in January 1999 to again go to the AFC Championship game as they had in 2010 and 2011. Number five, I've got the Jets beating the Raiders January 1983 also to go to the AFC Championship game where they eventually lost in the Mud Bowl to the Dolphins. And now number six, Matt, a new entry, the Jets defeating the spread on September 22nd, 2019 at Gillette Stadium. What do you think of those rankings? Uh, it's a beautiful list. I think the, the first few were, you know, spot on. And, uh, some people might argue about number six here, but, you know, hey, I, you're, you're going all in on the moral victory front, Scott. I like it. I respect, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the bold move to just dive head into it. Also, Matt, I got to ask this question because you're a serious beat reporter. Do you think that it's a coincidence that the Jets are four and 15 since trading Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I don't think Teddy would have saved him. Let's put it that way. I don't think that would have been the, the, the cure here. That, of course, is a joke based on what Josina Anderson was saying last year, that the Jets made a colossal mistake in trading Teddy Bridgewater. They should have stuck with him and benched Sam Darnold, and that became kind of an inside joke on Jets Twitter about, oh, if they only would have kept Teddy Bridgewater, this team might have been 6-10 and 10 instead of 4-12. and 12. So, again, something just to have fun with as we try to get through the tough times of this 0-3 start. As we head into the locker room now, Matt, let's start with Coach Adam Gase. There was one quote that he had that I thought was hilarious because it was such a Gase quote. He said, the game plan was fine if only the Jets, quote, executed some stuff. I read that as, what do you want from me? I'm working with a third-string quarterback in an offensive line that couldn't block a Girl Scout troop. Is that pretty much how you saw his quote? Yeah, it was kind of uh, a a little bit of that and a little bit of kind of him saying, you know, I did my part. The guys on the field got to do their part, which, um, you know, kind of remains to be seen. I know Gase has done a little bit of this already this season where he's not afraid to be publicly harsh with some of the players. So, uh, we'll see if that starts to grind on anyone at any point throughout the season. But, uh, yeah, you know, Gase wasn't, wasn't prepared to say that, uh, you know, it was on him and he wasn't going to fall on the sword there. He, uh, kind of threw some shade at the players a little bit. But yeah, I mean, what do you want from him? I suppose the, the, the talent was not up to snuff, uh, on his 46 man roster today as compared to the Patriots. This is one of those instances where I know that a lot of people are going to get on Gase for what he said here, and I don't love it, I guess. But at the same time, it's different when he makes comments like that after a Bills loss when it's at home. The team was up 16 nothing. They were handed four turnovers and a safety and still managed to blow the game. At that point, take some accountability. In this game, again, how mad am I really supposed to get about what Adam Gase had to say in the press conference? Though I do think he had some interesting things to say, especially about Trenton Cannon. There was an injury there. There were a couple of other things he talked about. What did he have to say overall? Yeah, so like you mentioned, Trenton Cannon left the game early due to injury uh, to be determined, you know, how bad that is. Um, Beyond that, Gates called the offense an abomination, basically. He he admitted that it was brutal, uh, was a word he used. Um, They said He said that they were as bad as it gets, um, which I think everyone watching would agree with. Um, So, you know, he was harsh on that front. As I mentioned earlier, he said, 
Uh, he, you know, he couldn't rule out the possibility of making some changes up front on the offensive line either. Um, so it was not good. And, you know, he just was saying a few times, you know, that they got to get in and they're thankful for the early bye week and try to fix things this week. Um, I know he made one comment as well about the offensive line going back to that, where he was asked about the fact that the Pats managed to break through with only four pass rushers a handful of times. And Gase kind of cut off the question and said, Oh no, the Patriots broke through with only three pass rushers at one time too. It wasn't good. Uh, so kind of interesting that he was uh, so disgusted with the offensive line that, you know, he decided to one up the question that was going to make his offensive line look pretty bad as it was. So, um, he was a little bit down in the dumps. He knew it wasn't a good performance. Um, he gave the defense and special teams units some credit and said that the offense obviously has to get a lot better, which I, I think all of us are pretty, you know, well, uh, aware is certainly true. Since I'm in the mood to do silver linings and I've been throwing them in as we've been going along, Matt, I would also like to point out since you mentioned special teams, another silver lining here, no missed field goals. Yeah, that's a good point. You got to, I mean, you got to be able to get across midfield to kick field goals. So, you know, <laughs> that's one way to protect Sam Picken. He still has a 100% success rate as a kicker here for this team. So that's a positive that I'm going to take into the bye week. Who are some of the players that spoke? I know that Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Adams, and Ryan Khalil had some stuff to say. What did they have to say? And what did some of the other players have to say as well? Yeah, so Jamal was basically, uh, you know, he just kept saying, Stuff along the lines of it's only three games, the Jets will be fine. But, um, you know, at some point you got to wonder because Jamal, after the first game, said it's only one game, it's not a big deal, we'll be fine. And then after the second game, it was it's only been two games, we'll be all right. Uh, you know, so at some, at some point that line has to go out the window. And uh, we might find out over the next few weeks here where that line gets drawn for Jamal Adams. But um, for now, at least he's not panicking and he's, you know, seems confident that the Jets can find a way to turn this thing around. So there's that. Uh, Ryan Khalil, I spoke very briefly with him, but he said that, uh, you know, the Jets' offensive line is not good enough. Uh, he said that the team right now, he's you know, he's a guy that's been around this league for a long time. And, uh, you know, he mentioned that he's been on good teams, he's been on bad teams, and, on you know, on some of the bad teams he's been on in the past, talent has been the issue. But he doesn't believe that's the case here. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of cohesion and the fact that this unit is not playing well together at all right now. So uh, he believes the talent is there to succeed, but the Jets just, you know, need to put it together. He was very adamant. He said it's, it's not the scheme. The scheme is good. Uh, so a little bit of a defense of Adam Gase in the offense there. Uh, and he also touched on the fact that he knows some folks are disappointed with the lack of creativity, but, uh, you know, he said this and a bunch of other folks said this as well. He said, you, you know, you can only be so creative when it's third and 18. So, uh, you know, fair enough. Tough to be creative in that spot, though. Uh, I would argue you could at least be creative on first and second down before you put yourself in that bad spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you get over to Robbie Anderson, it sounded like he was a, a bit frustrated just with the fact that he wasn't getting uh, a ton of work. And, uh, you know, he said that he would, if someone asked him if, he thought the Jets offense would be more successful if he was getting more involved. And, you know, he of course said, I would like to think that would be the case, but, um, you know, he, he did not throw anyone under the bus or anything. He was asked if the play calling should have been more aggressive. And 
he said it wasn't for him to say, and so he kind of towed the line and stayed on the right side of it, I suppose, there. Um, and Le'Veon Bell, same thing. I mean, he said this isn't uh, a quarterback issue. It's a whole team problem, and, uh, you know, same thing that Khalil said about, you know, if you're always in third and long, you can only be so aggressive, so creative. Um, but, you know, he, for the most part, just said that, He's not frustrated. He still believes that this team has the talent to figure it out and that, uh, you know, that this is the first year under a new head coach installing a new system and things just take time, uh, sometimes. So he's, he's taking the patient route and trying to stick with it. So, um, that's a, you know, a little taste of what was going around. It was certainly not the most, uh, energetic and upbeat locker room I've ever been in, but, um, I've, I've seen worse as well. So, you know, at, at least it wasn't quite as grim as last year when we left Foxborough after week 17. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Matt, another silver lining for you. When Luke Falk threw his interception... It led to a 23-0 Patriots lead, but that meant that the Jets held the Patriots to a field goal off of that turnover, which is a moral victory again because you would have expected a touchdown. Yeah, very, very true. Um, you know, good job by the defense there. Short field, they managed to hold out, so there's that. Um, and yeah, I mean, late on in the game too, I know Adam Gase punted with about three minutes left and some people were questioning that, but... Uh, you know, the, the positive spin on that was he wanted to get his best scoring unit back on the field. So, you know, might as well get the defense out there. Also wanted to make sure that he covered the spread. So the gamblers in Vegas, very happy with Adam Gase right now, at least the ones that bet on the Jets. I want to ask you about Le'Veon Bell real quick, Matt, because they talked about this on SNY. I was watching the post game with Bart Scott and Ray Lucas, and they talked about how Le'Veon Bell's answers and the way he's conducted himself both on the field and in the locker room so far suggests that he has taken on the role of leader. Now, obviously, it makes sense because almost all of the offense has gone through Le'Veon Bell, but still, this is a guy that a lot of people try to paint as a selfish me-first player, and he hasn't come across that way to me and to a lot of people, certainly to Bart Scott and to Ray Lucas, who would know a thing or two about this. From covering the team and being in the locker room after the last three games, is that the impression that you've gotten as well? Oh, for sure. He's been a model teammate to this point, uh, by all accounts. I mean, Adam Gates has been really impressed with him, his effort, uh, and also just, you know, the way he's comported himself. And uh, a bunch of the Jets coaches and players, you know, have had nothing but good things to say about Bell in that regard, too. So, for sure, I mean, he's been a positive presence in this locker room over the first few weeks. So, uh, yeah, I know he came in with that reputation as kind of a malcontent, but uh, it has not been the case so far in New York, uh, you know. I suppose things can always change, but uh, early on, at least, the indications are that Le'Veon Bell has been a, a pretty overwhelmingly positive force for the Jets. Matt, I got another silver lining for you. On the interception that Luke Falk threw, it was an interception to Devin McCourty, who's a local product from Nyack, that played his college ball at Rutgers. So a Jersey kid making good. 
Yeah, I mean, there's that, and Rutgers could use all the rays of sunshine they could get, so, you know, something good for the Rutgers people. <laughs> Between Ray Lucas killing it on the post game and Devin McCourty getting that interception, there you go. By the way, Matt, this thought occurred to me while I was watching the game. It really is a shame that Antonio Brown didn't play because the Patriots really needed him desperately in this game. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they certainly were, were lacking targets and weapons. Uh, you know, they, they could have used more talent out there. I Actually... It's funny because I know their wide receiver situation is uh, growing a bit thin now, and they might have to go out and get someone. But, uh, yeah, the, they did not have trouble picking apart the Jets' uh, defense without him. Uh, I mean, good God, imagine if he had been in there. Now we head into the bye week. What does the schedule look like in terms of practice? They get a couple of days off, I assume, here. Yeah, no practice for the Jets this week. Um, so they'll get back at it. They're you know going to head home here after this game and – uh, players get the week off and then they'll come back at it and start getting ready for week five next week. So, um, you know, light, light schedule for them and the fact that there really is no schedule for the Jets players this week. And we'll see what happens, but I have to assume that a big part of the reason that they rested Jordan Jenkins, C.J. Mosley, and Quinnen Williams is that they are hoping to have them back for the game against the Eagles after the bye. In addition to Sam Darnold, although obviously we'll have to see what happens with his spleen, that will be something that you guys are going to keep an eye on, and it'll probably be the number one thing that Jets fans are looking at over the next week or so. Yep, for sure. I mean, the the biggest thing during this bye is just that the Jets start to get healthy so um yeah it's certainly I, I got the impression this week that the Jets sat some of those guys with the idea that they would get the elongated rest and they should be good to go by week five and hopefully it'll help keep them healthy for a little while to come as well so um you know that that is certainly the hope if you're the Jets is that you're going to get some of these guys back pretty soon here um and you got to be praying that when they get back in the lineup things start to turn around a bit so to sum things up, the Jets end up losing this game 30-14. to So in the standings, they are in last place. They're 0-3 tied with the Miami Dolphins. And in the record books, they have three losses. But in the moral victory column, against the spread, the Jets win themselves a big victory against the New England Patriots, covering the spread thanks to Jamal Adams, playing hero ball at the end of that game. A big moment in New York Jets history as they cover the spread in Foxborough and scored their first touchdown in Foxborough since 2015. That's how I'm going to choose to look at it. In my heart, in my head, the Jets won. In reality, they lost, but I'm going to choose to look at the sunny side. Like I said, Matt, I'm all about the silver linings tonight. Yeah, glass half full kind of guy, I suppose. Better than if the glass is cracked and broken, which is how most people are choosing to look at this. Obviously, the Jets have a lot to work on in the bye week, and I'm joking around with this silver lining stuff. I'm just having fun with it and having a chuckle, because what else can you do at this point if you want to avoid descending into madness? But there would be a lot of things to clean up. I hope that Leonard Williams takes a look in the mirror during this bye week and realizes that not only does he have to step up for the good of the team, but for his own good, because he's about to enter a contract year. So he's one of the players who I'm most interested to see as the rest of the season progresses after the bye week and see if he can start to pick things up, especially 
once we get the return of C.J. Mosley and Quinn and Williams, because if he can't perform with those two guys back, then it may just never click for him, and he just may never be that player that we were hoping he would be. Matt Stipikoski live from the road in New England right now. Thank you so much for joining me, as always. Before you run, Matt, i got to ask, though, you're on the road. I know that NJ.com is picking up the tab. I hope you went somewhere nice. Where'd you go to eat this weekend? Yeah, I had a nice dinner at a place called the uh, Salted Pig, I believe it was, tonight in Boston. So, uh, so nice uh, meat and cheese board and uh, some spaghetti carbonara and all some good stuff there. So, uh, yeah, not, not too bad. Having a couple meals in Boston. Got to uh, hang out with some college friends that live in the area on Saturday night as well. So, uh, you know, nice to get up here and uh spend a couple weeks at weekend a couple days out on the road even if uh the actual uh work at the stadium today was a little grim at times that said matt paid super close attention to this game as did i so that you wouldn't have to and that's why we put this together in a long-form podcast but matt also has over 1200 words written about everything you need to know from yesterday's performance and what you need to know heading into the bye week so matt if people head over to nj.com slash jets by the time they hear this what are they going to be reading yep so uh you can find that long story that i posted right at the end of the game uh just looking at some of the things that went wrong and, you know, some of the worst parts about that loss for the Jets. And uh, then for uh, Monday morning here, a couple stories going up about uh, the Jets offense, Adam Gase's play calling, just kind of a a look at that and uh, what folks had to say about it and kind of my take on that as well. And uh, then also just a broader look at the offense and the fact that Sam Darnold uh, (laughs) probably is not going to be, enough he's not going to be the silver bullet here he is not going to be the thing that just completely fixes this offense i don't think there's just too many other problems that uh you know he certainly is going to help this offense but there's a a long way to go from where the jets are now to get back to even mediocre let alone good so uh you know donald can only help having him back in the lineup of course but uh, just kind of examining where this Jets offense is and the fact that th- there is a, a long way to go and a lot for them to fix before this offense really gets back on track. So uh, have that and then you know, plenty more coming this week, even though there's the bye, you know, there's going to be stories up all the time. So I uh, appreciate you all following along at nj.com slash Jets. And then over at on Twitter as well, uh, it's M underscore Stipulkowski. That's S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. Go ahead and follow Matt on Twitter at M underscore S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. Read his work over at NJ.com slash Jets. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. Let's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com.